Hey guys, well in this episode we talk a ton about the differences between male and female brains. Mm -hmm. It's a little emotional this episode because we talk about our personal experiences with our families in terms of brain health and just how the change in our brains can impact not only the individual going through that change with a different diagnosis like Alzheimer's or strokes, but what happens in the family dynamics too. Yeah, definitely a personal episode. and. And as part of this too, we talk about the role of caretaker mm -hmm. and understanding that, you know, it's really personal responsibility and having challenging uh, maybe conversations about futures together and like how to be, re be really proactive with our health. Mm -hmm. And just yeah. its impact on that relationship later on in life. So we want to continue dreaming with each other instead of having to step into that role of caretaker, which often can happen. And so we talk a lot about the brain, the differences, what we can do to support it, and just the dynamics of a relationship that are impacted. So one of the things I think that we've all really recognized over, you know, maybe our own life or over the past few years is that community is so important mm -hmm. and having a safe space to really reflect mm -hmm. on what's important and obviously with regards to your health, but also just other aspects to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had different conversations with different guests, um, even our own patients and each other about that safety piece that without safety, healing actually can't occur. And that this is what we love about some of the groups that we've created, especially our Health Ignited Club, where we come together and create a safe space so that everyone can heal together, grow together, learn together, and really understand what's important as a collective so that we can also work on what's important as an individual. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think it's, there's so much information in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get lost and there's all the like the how-to, how to, how to solve this problem, how to you know, how to work on this aspect of your lifestyle. And what, what Sonia and I do is we've got you know, a wide range of different mentors and, and, and including, you know, the podcast guests that we've got a chance to connect with. And so we, we get a chance to filter information as we all do down into our own unique parts in a way to articulate that into, into your unique lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And we, so we found great value in being in, you know, mastermind groups and collaboration and learning from other people. And so the whole goal of our Health Ignited Club is to bring all of that wisdom into, into these communities. Mm -hmm. So we'd love for you to join that community. There's already amazing individuals in there that, so we can support each other. Because really, if we become more aligned with ourselves, that's when we're going to make change in yeah. our own life and everybody else's. Yeah. So uh, if you find out more, go to drsjensen.com and you can learn more about the Health Ignited Club there. Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. We've been talking a ton about hormones, obviously, and how it affects relationships. And, and this time we want to talk about how uh, brain health is impacting hormone health. And what are some of the other the things that are associated with that, with whether it be trauma to physical injuries to traumatic brain injury to just developmental challenges that people go through and, and how that plays out and affects hormones. Yeah, and like the bigger piece of that also is we've been talking about how each of our hormones impact our relationship. And so when there's changes happening in a female's brain versus a male's brain, if we don't understand those changes, we don't know what to do to prevent some of these conditions that um, women especially are more susceptible to. And so, for example, like Alzheimer's, women are more susceptible to that, women are more susceptible to strokes. And when we start to understand the change that happens in perimenopause, menopause, that triggers that trajectory, and how that's going to impact our relationship because all of a sudden, like we've seen in our families, um, either the children become the caretakers or the partners become the caretakers and that changes our relationship and adds so many different layers of different emotions, um, of grief and all these other elements that we don't always talk about in our younger years that we need to be more connected to. Mm -hmm. So. You know, well, let's talk a little bit about why you why you're saying it's affecting women more than men. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these more chronic 
cardiovascular, neurovascular type issues that would show mm -hmm. up for someone. Yeah, well, there's so many brain changes that happen throughout our years from birth to puberty to adolescence and then to menopause. So in menopause, as estrogen especially, as it declines, so estrogens are a hormone that's like the, it's neuroprotective, it helps our memory, um, cognition, it supports like GABA production in the brain, it increases blood flow in the brain, it increases circulation and oxygen and all these things. So when that starts to decline, now all of a sudden the lifestyle that we've been living or the stressors we're having to navigate, that is going to get triggered more in that stage and create more vulnerability. There was a study that was done over 15 to 20 years of looking at different brain scans of healthy men versus healthy women. And they saw that there was a 30% decline of brain activity in women and zero in men in, from like age 40 to 50 around that menopause time. There was also atrophy that they saw. There was more um, plaques. Um, the amyloid, amyloid, amyloid plaque. <laughs> amyloid plaques um, for Alzheimer's. Um, there was a few other things that they saw. There's just like brain activity was, oh, the memory center shrunk. So you can see clearly when estrogen drops and these changes happen in the hormones, it triggers all of this because it's already been um, conditioned to do so. And then if we're going into that stage with low hormones, with stress, with toxicity, with all these things, it makes us more susceptible. And then it changes how we're remembering things. It creates more brain fog. It creates irritability and fatigue because the brain's not getting the energy that it used to get. So if we're more irritable, if we can't remember things, it's going to impact how we're relating to each other. Mm -hmm. Would this be a case for men being smarter than women as we age? Well, okay. So <laughs> you, you talked about brain atrophy. You talked about a lack of remembrance. Right. No change in that. Was it EEG that they did? Like electroencephalogram to measure electrical activity? Yeah, they were doing how... MRI, they were doing all the different wow. scans to see the different changes. But what's interesting though, in, in general, men and women's um, brains, we have more neurons in our auditory center, like 11% mm. more than male brains. So you're better listeners. Better listeners. The other thing that I found out that was interesting is that we have certain cells in our visual cortex that are different than yours. You guys have M cells that look at like motion and movement mm -hmm. quickly, whereas we have, I think, P cells that look at like static situations and objects and whatnot. And then the other element... And that must have somebody with your ability to remember all the intricate details of an argument or a challenge. That is the limbic system connection. So <laughs> our hippocampus, the memory center, yeah. and then the amygdala, the emotional center, it is more connected to the frontal cortex mm. rather than, than men. Yes. Yeah. And even our, um, there was the cerebral cortex is thicker. There's more interconnection between the hemispheres. So there's all of this going on in our, yes, younger years. And yeah. all of a sudden there's this like, sudden decline in menopause, perimenopause, or even before. Yeah. So like Alzheimer's, dementia, these things show up late in, like, later in life, but they start decades before. Right. And so we need to start talking about those things now because it does change yeah. what happens in a family. You know, you said so many important things. And a lot yeah. of those things may be things that are over people's heads, you know, mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex, all that. And so let's break that part down. But mm -hmm. also interrupted you before you were going to share more. I don't know if you remember what that was about. Well, since I'm in perimenopause, I probably don't remember now right. <laughs> because I probably had something important to say and you cut me off. You probably did. And so this is a perfect example yeah. of, of uh, not having as many neurons in my auditory centers. Yes. Yes. So you weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get my point across. Right. Right. Or actually, mm -hmm. I w it was more importantly, I think, I think I want to ask a, qu a question. Mm. But okay, so let's, maybe you'll remember what you were going to say, but... Why don't we talk a little bit about just what you just shared there with regards to there being more connections from the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex. So what is the limbic system in the brain? Mm -hmm. How does that relate maybe differently for men to women? And we can talk about like evolutionarily, mm -hmm. like men maybe, maybe we're more like hunter or hunting and, and women were more caretaking, maybe even, even in tribal societies. Mm -hmm. I know that varies hugely depending on the culture, but maybe there's an advantage to that to be able to sort of sever an emotional mm -hmm. um, response to something when there was maybe more danger for the, the, mm -hmm. the man in that, in that sort of 
familial dynamic. But anyways, mm -hmm. you know, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so the limbic system is essentially all the areas of our brain that are controlling our emotions. And so our emotions that are activated in the amygdala, like the back part of our brain, um, gathers information from our memory center. So that gets connected and we remember things from the past or we take note of things that are happening right now and then we relay that information to our hormones and whatnot. But that frontal cortex is all about like reasoning and analyzing, planning. And so this is, you know, we had that conversation around me planning soccer three to four months in advance because understanding that that needs to happen and how that's going to impact our schedule and our daily activities for our kids. Whereas for men, that connection isn't as tight as it is for, for women. So because there's more of that connection, I think you're right. I think it was done on purpose because women essentially are more of the caretakers of the family. And so in this book that I'm reading right now too, it does talk about the fact that that parental instinct is there in mothers more so than in fathers because of that mm. because they need to consider their children before themselves especially in those beginning years whereas the father's role was more yeah the the hunting and gathering of the food and doing the things outside of the family dynamic mm -hmm. and so then fast so forward that part of me i'm just saying imagine that's what's that yeah. changed maybe how our brains evolved i don't know yeah so then like let's take that sort of ancestral ancient way of living into the modern world mm -hmm. of um you know women i think maybe in this more modern world are expecting their men to be more emotionally competent or emotionally connected or wanting that maybe and maybe there's this physiological gap for men and we maybe have to catch up to the evolutionary change that's happening in our modern world to be able to uh, c correctly connect our emotional well-being and health and to that of our actions and how we're you know, interacting with that prefrontal cortex, which is basically our executive function, our way that, in which we can really operate in the world. Mm -hmm. And so maybe there's an ask on part of the feminine Counterpart. Right, so this doesn't excuse lack of emotional <laughs> intelligence <laughs> or behavior but, that but, is appropriate. Well, one, one side of it is I think it's also just a deep respect that men's brains yeah. and women's brains are completely different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there could be a bit of an appreciation for the fact that how you're perceiving something is going to be different than me. Mm -hmm. Also because we've had different experiences and our brains are actually wired differently. So I think that that's important because we're going to not always mm -hmm. truly understand the other person, but we can at least have an appreciation for where they are, where they're coming mm -hmm. from. So the challenge with this conversation and what's happened in our world till this day is that women don't get the same um, respect in the workforce because of these differences. So instead of seeing them as like a superpower that each individual has their own way of operating mm -hmm. in regards to their brain, women have been seen as like the lesser gender because of these emotional connections. And so women are told in the workforce they can't be the CEO or they can't be this or they can't be that because they're too, too emotional, emotional. Yeah. or they're PMSing or they're going through menopause or they're having the hot flash or whatever is going on. So I think it's important to discern what we're actually saying right now. It's like there's superpowers in both. So it's how do we learn to access that because when we look at, um, I don't know specific examples, but I'm going to assume that women CEOs, they will see a situation differently than a male will. And that could be very powerful for a company. Whereas, you know, women are being paid less where there's so many things that still haven't changed in our world because of these gender differences. Mm hmm. Well, even in leadership, I can't mm. remember the exact story, but there was the, the story about the Iceland uh, president, mm. who was a woman. And there was conflict going on in the country, but it was really about part of the solution was bringing people together. And, and I think that that's definitely a superpower that, that can be utilized within um, a company dynamic to, mm. to, to be able to like, look across this larger sc scope and to be able to unify people. And I think that part of that maybe that male brain is to, to maybe more focus, more easily to divide and find a way for, you know, maybe a person or one person to really step in and step up and save the day as opposed mm -hmm. to like looking for 
the value sets in others and, and emotionally connecting to others. And, and so maybe there's just a lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that it's not possible for a man to do that. I would just say that probably it requires a little bit more learning and adapting and to recognize that, oh, that there's areas that I can really learn about myself and how to be a better leader by understanding mm-hmm. the female And this brain. relates to the family dynamic too, because when you're in that leadership role in your family, it's like, who's the CEO, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The, the mother or the father or the partner is like... Or is there a cohesive CEO? That's right. Yeah. Like, how do you um, understand that each one has a different superpower within that relationship and how you're interacting with your kids? And we had this conversation last time around the hormones and the three of you being male and your functionality is going to be different than mine, but it's the same as when we're trying to make parenting decisions, whether it's around video games or it's around um, discipline. And that's the lens that I come from is going to be very different than, than your lens. And how do we come to a place where we understand one another and show up as a united front when sometimes there's disagreement in how mm-hmm. we're approaching the situation? Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of mentioned this too, like maybe there's a time for United Front, maybe there's a time for differing opinions because mm-hmm. it allows for dialogue. I think that part of the problem is, is that when we're in a situation like that where there, maybe there's tension and you know, we're not taking it to that next place, which is like a, a learning or like a, a teaching moment, as I like to say for you to me. Mm-hmm. Here's a teaching moment. Here's an opportunity to show what went wrong within the family dynamic. And so that, you know, we're, we're all working on the situation or the or the, the problem together as a family, including the kids in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But OK, so we, we talked about some of the differences between the male and female brain. Um, there's also individual experiences. What I find fascinating is that we can have a challenge like we had you and i had a a disagreement about something on the weekend and we were both feeling things about this situation but we had a whole like history of experience that that brought us to that moment and what we realized in conversating is that we were we were talking about we were still we both wanted the same thing Mm -hmm. but we were talking about our experiences that projected an idea of expectation or where we're challenged but but the the solution wasn't necessary to get my particular point across or yours it was that we both had different experiences that that led to different expectations of that outcome does that make sense no i i know what you're saying because i know what it was but Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone listening is okay understand that okay so let me let me try again each of us have our own individual life experience. Yes. And, and that's always in the backdrop when we're making decisions about different things that come up, whether it's how we expect someone to behave or how we might solve a problem. And we, for whatever reason, I think, expect the other person to know where we're coming from. But that's right. an impossibility. We, we can't expect that. And yet, in those moments of challenge, like, how come you just don't get me? Why don't you understand where I'm coming from? And there's no real way for that other person to fully understand. So when, when we're in disagreement around a particular thing, um, we forget to articulate some of the history, I think, which is really important. And you and I did that, that that evening is actually talk about a little bit more about where we're coming from to arrive at, you know, maybe why we behaved a certain way or why we thought a certain thing. But I think when we bring our history into uh, explaining our behavior, there's a huge value in that. And that's also part of what I wanted to sort of connect to the brain in that it's not just the female male brain. It's also this history, this, yeah. this story that, that formulates a decision in this moment. Is that, is that clear? Clearer-ish. <laughs> okay, well, please <laughs> add because some. Just because there's no specific example. Well, right. I think, I mean, the basis of that is, that like, like you said, we all have different experiences, different stressors that we've managed, different expectations of what a relationship is supposed to look like or how I'm supposed to feel in a relationship or what the other person is supposed to do for me in that relationship. And when something isn't met, we're reacting because of the past experience and the story that we carry. And so when our brains are wired in a different way, I'm, you know, my brain is right away accessing my hippocampus, memory center, and then it's 
reminding me like, oh yeah, I felt this emotion before, I didn't like it. So the reaction that's coming in this moment may not even be about this moment, it's about the whole story from before. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to understand that a female brain is going to process that in a different way. In essence, I will remember every word that was said, where it was said, every detail of that experience, and it could have been 10 years ago, whereas the male brain doesn't necessarily do that because of the interconnection isn't as deeply rooted as it is for the female brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how you articulated that quite possibly more succinct and clear. Possibly. <laughs> and so the reason why this is so important is when we start to understand those hormonal changes that are happening, like last week we talked about andropause and menopause. So in andropause, there's, yes, there's a change in testosterone, but men can still receive estrogen, which also declines for men in andropause. Mm, they can still- Sometimes it goes up. Right, yeah. the more the exogenous ones. I'm speaking about like estradiol. Yeah. Um, so it can you can still get that juice for your brain from your stores of testosterone if they're nice and healthy. Mm -hmm. Whereas for women, it's a little bit different. Like mm -hmm. for the female brain, it's not accessing those stores. If anything, we're now trying to access them from our adrenal glands rather than from our ovaries. Or your skin. Or the skin, because like mm -hmm. the ovaries are retiring. So when we're not getting that, we, again, going back to the original conversation, is we're more susceptible to certain conditions than men are. And one of those conditions is stroke. And so I don't know if you want to go into your mom's story mm -hmm. a little bit, but we had a bit of a scare last night with her. And she has a story around, we don't have to share details, but just really, really low hormones going into perimenopause, stressors, and then 11 years, nine years ago now, Karen's 11, mm -hmm. she had a stroke. And so dad's become a, care <clears throat> a caregiver. Mm -hmm. So that changed everything that they dreamed that their life was gonna be in this stage in life, that changed their relationship and everything. So if we, I think if all of us can start having conversations around how we can support each other when we are healthy and strong, um, maybe we can prevent those kinds of big changes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, I mean, that's the hope, right? Because mm -hmm. we can prevent and change those things. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <clears throat> maybe we can cut the video here. <clears throat> so in my throat. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, mom's story is very interesting because there's, there's multiple layers to, I think, the manifestation of a stroke. And, and you know, I, there's also, you know, maybe potential for genetic susceptibility, you know, and, and you and I have done our DNA tests to, to, to look for predisposition for things showing up. And I think maybe that's also a part of, say, a conversation. You're talking about being proactive with your partner. Um, I mean, there's so many things to say on this. But, um, I mean, mom had this sort of perfect storm of stuff, a uh, ton of stress. Um, I think she never really, um, I don't know, I can't speak for her specifically, but I don't know if she ever really fulfilled her, like, purpose in, in what she wanted to do in life, in, in her own ventures. Like, I think she, you know, she's very athletic and exploratory and loves adventure and whatnot. And I think she, she played a role because the, the priority in her life was my dad and us as kids. And so I think that, you know, for women or men, I think whenever you're, you know, sort of fulfilling a role because you're prioritizing things in life, some of your dreams kind of get pushed to the side. And I think so there's a, you know, there's that mental, emotional, ongoing stress of that dilemma that we all face. And then she uh, went into early menopause because she had a full hysterectomy earlier on um, in her late 30s, from what I remember. And then she had a mouthful of uh, mercury, which was we know is neurotoxin, um, potent neurotoxin, the most potent neurotoxin known to man. And so, this, and and there's this low-grade blood pressure, or high blood pressure that was going on for for a, a period of time, probably from the early push into menopause with the hysterectomy. Maybe you can add some more, but those are those are like the big ones, mm -hmm. and I think that set up this neuroinflammatory storm, mm -hmm. uh, which made her very susceptible to a stroke, mm -hmm. you know, cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Well, just going back to that conversation around like even 
okay, males and females in the workforce, but even in um, medicine, most of the studies that are done are done on men. Mm -hmm. And even when they have to do with female outcomes, like menopause, and even the rat studies are done on male rats. Yeah, because like how, it's so crazy. Because of the hormonal fluctuations. Cause there's, yeah. So there's such a lack of understanding. So there's even been cases where women have been overdosed with certain medication because how we process a medication is different mm -hmm. than how men do. And so going back to some of, you know, your mom's story, not to share like all of her story here, but when she stepped into the doctor's office and was told, have a hysterectomy, there was no other conversation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women face that. You know, they, they go to the doctor to say this, this, and this is going on. Well, let's just take that out. It's not serving you anymore. You've had your kids. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as that happens, you get a full hysterectomy, no more ovaries at a young age. That estrogen that was supposed to decline in perimenopause is now declining now. And so your neuroprotection is lower. Your ability to produce neurotransmitters like GABA are lower. Even progesterone is going to decline faster. So even more inflammation will be... Um, triggered in higher brain, cortisol higher cortisol so there's all these things so again it goes back to this conversation of like for women I'll speak to them is to really understand yourself so that you can ask those right questions and know that a lot of the outcomes from which your doctor might be prescribing you medication or giving you antidepressants when really it's just your estrogen and testosterone that needs support you have to start asking you have to start questioning it mm -hmm. and so I think there's an accumulation of all of that that then results in this event that happens that changes people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that event can be different. It's not yeah. like everybody is going to develop a stroke, or but it could be heart disease, it could be Alzheimer's dementia. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about your grandma. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you mentioned something super important. I think that <clears throat> we really want the listeners to really catch this, and that is Often when you're presenting with symptoms, there's a band-aid solution to, you mentioned like the hysterectomy. You don't need that anymore, let's just do a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. You know, you're past childbearing years, you don't need it. Well, obviously it's still fulfilling a role of supplying hormonal influence and preserving the tissue as, as long as it can. Um, but the solution is always like, and I don't think it's really an, an, on, out of any sort of negative like it's not that the doctor's bad they're they're not trying to harm someone but they're they're they've got a toolkit that's that's really about addressing symptoms mm -hmm. and if we just really appreciate the fact that that solution base doesn't really ever get into the realm of root cause or what are some of your other options it's really like you're feeling pain let me help you take your pain away mm -hmm. you know to talk about that sort of male the, the, I mean, the, the, the sort of male mindset, I mean, it's very much a part of Western medicine. Here's a problem, here's a solution. Mm -hmm. And and I th really want people to really listen into what we're saying here around that topic, that if there's something going on, are we willing to listen to those messages that the body is giving us so that we can start asking the questions, well, why, this, why is this showing up? What are some other options? If we just knew that we could pause first and recognize that, there must be something, uh, some other way that I can deal with this, as opposed to just, let's just shut that process down in the body. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, and like, I wanna take that view also into the, the broader perspective of um, the relationship piece. So we talked about like how in a couple, things can change when somebody's health declines or there's a diagnosis or an event, but it can change the whole family dynamic. We talked about mm -hmm. Alzheimer's, so Dementia was an experience that we had in our family with our nanny or my maternal grandma. And so that changed the trajectory of my mom and her sister's lives because they became caretakers. So this is something that we see even in our clinic mm -hmm. all the time. Women or families reach a certain stage in their life and then all of a sudden the roles are reversed and they're taking care of their, their parents. And so that in itself creates havoc in their life, in their health, because now they're not able to take care of themselves they now went from taking care of their children to now taking care of their parents. Mm -hmm. And so if we can have these conversations and these understandings, like Alzheimer's dementia is a preventable disease. And yes, there's genetic things, I mean, it came up in mine. So I know now that I have to do certain things for my brain, like sleep um, mm -hmm. quality is the most important thing. I sauna four or five times a week because I can't remember what the actual statistic was. I think there was a 40% reduction. Yeah, all-cause mortality. Yeah. yeah. And even specifically in Alzheimer's, I learned that in Limitless, mm. watching that. 
um, and I'm going to eat a certain way, I'm going to take certain supplements to help my brain as much as I can. So yes, I have that ge genetic disposition, but at least I can control my lifestyle so that I don't have to go through that, or, or my family doesn't have to go through that. Like, you don't have to become my caretaker, or the kids don't have to be <laughs> impacted. Oh, gosh. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it hits home in a big way just because, you know, the news that we received last night and, um, you know, just he, seeing someone change that role. And, and you saw your, your mom and your aunts go through this incredibly challenging caretaker role process. And it, to your point, it completely changes every bit of the dynamic of a family and yeah i mean you don't want to put that burden on anyone you know mm -hmm. as the individual going through the challenge sometimes your biggest worry is look how much i've affected my my peoples that, that i love so much their their lives and you know your your mom and and her sisters would literally burn themselves out completely to the point that their their health was massively deteriorating mm -hmm. as a result of them being and playing that role. Mm -hmm. And it affects all the layers. So it affects that generation, the other generation, because now they're watching their parents decline yeah. because of these extra stressors. So that's why I think these this is such an important conversation that we don't we don't see the brain, so we don't give mm -hmm. it enough attention. Mm -hmm. And all these like micro traumas that we've been through, whether it's like stressors in our lives or little concussions here and there or whatever it might be, the foods we're eating, everything we're doing, that this isn't just going to impact your physical health. This is going to impact everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, in your, in your response, like what comes up for you specifically like what, what triggered some of that, that emotion for you, if you don't mind sharing, just because like it's so, like I said, it's so raw right now, but I mean, it was really challenging during the pandemic for you and, and not being able to connect with your nanny and this whole, you know, caretaker phenomenon was happening, but mm -hmm. I'm curious, like what came up for you just now? Well, I think it's layers, because I work with women every day and I witness, you know, family, families going through things and just seeing that there's this epidemic of like, um, I want to say this emotion of resentment that makes people sick. And that shows up because they're spending so much time doing what they're expected to do, playing the role that they're expected to play. And if we were to take a step back and erase all of that and just live from a place of taking care of yourself first, then the trajectory of everyone's relationships would change. So when you, for me personally, seeing um, my nanny just disappear, because um, she, did, she didn't remember us, and then not being able to see her during COVID and then her passing away, mm -hmm. I guess I feel anger because um, that was all preventable. But because of the, our medical system um, and just knowing her story and witnessing, I'll speak from my own perspective of like an Indian woman, um, the sacrifices they have to make. It's an emotional episode. Yeah. Um, so the sacrifices they have to make for their, their mental bodies, their emotional bodies, their physical bodies, just to play the roles and wear all the masks. Like, I just see everyone going downhill because of that. And so it takes away your connections. It takes away the joy that is everyone's birthright. And... If we were to just focus on serving ourselves, but that is not something that we're taught, then I think our whole view would be different of the world. We wouldn't sit in resentment that we couldn't fulfill those dreams because we had to take care of a family and our partners and whatnot, but it could be this cohesive unit that helps 
everyone's dreams in the families to come true. Mm -hmm. Or we realize that, okay, in this stage in my life, maybe my focus is here and that's okay. I can still bring elements of joy in my everyday and find myself in all of that and not lose myself in it and then become resentful and then um, go down this path of being sick. Mm -hmm. Like women are also more susceptible to autoimmune disease. Why? That's yourself fighting yourself when you're not expressing what it is that you actually want and need in your life. So I see an epidemic where women are getting really, really sick. And I think a lot of it, yes, there's like physical stuff, there's all of this, but a lot of it stems from that deep rooted resentment that we're not expressing. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, you share, when, when you first started sharing, I was thinking like, like you're taking this in, into the, like the most important part of the conversation which is huge. And, you know, I think for um, retraining or re-educating like the culture around, you know, the self-love and what you can do for yourself right now, you know, it doesn't matter what the past looked like, but if we all started to really inhabit that experience of self-care, we wouldn't constantly be putting out fires in other people's lives i think mm -hmm. like we could really take ownership over ourselves, and and i couldn't help but think like as you're speaking that that that's um the stoic philosophy of memento mori meaning remember that that we are mortal and you know how do we step into presence and joy more often well if we all collectively really took responsibility for our health and cared for ourselves uh, you know we're, we're supposed to love ourselves more than anybody and yet we care so much about what other people think about us we put we prioritize things because you know to to serve others and we forget about ourselves in that and so it's like <clears throat> resentment is inherently built into that mm -hmm. and we relinquish <clears throat> excuse me we relinquish our responsibility and step into resentment and so it's so fascinating the way that you help to like bring that dialogue out because it's it is the thing that we all have to do and yet it's why is it so hard like why do you think it's so hard to put ourselves first yeah and i think this kind of takes us into a different conversation um but i think it's because of the conditioning of like who we believe we're supposed to be and the different roles that we're playing in our relationships it's at the end of the day, all we want is, I mean, we all want love and we want to belong. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel like we're part of the community. We want to, um, we want to serve. We want all these things, but we're conditioned certain ways, depending on our upbringing and all of the stories that we're carrying because of our own stressors and experiences that then feed these beliefs that we have and how we're supposed to be in order to fulfill that and or in order to receive that and it usually isn't until somebody gets sick and this is my own personal experience too like being mm -hmm. sick before christmas that was the thing that gave me permission to do nothing mm -hmm. or you know women when they do get sick later on in life all of a sudden now they can okay i have an excuse to take care of myself and we've had these conversations with um, yeah. patients too it's like who would they be without the sickness? Because mm -hmm. without that, they couldn't go get that massage or they couldn't go get that IV mm -hmm. or they would, or not couldn't, they wouldn't mm -hmm. do that for themselves because there's no reason to. Mm -hmm. So this is why I think this self-love, self-care prevention is such a hard concept for so many because we're such a reactive society that like, oh, oh, you have cancer now? Okay, so now you can do what needs to be done to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Or now you can live in the moment or because you have to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. But why can't we start doing that from day one so that we can live every moment to its fullest and not wait for something to happen? But I, cause I've had those thoughts too. Like when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when life is happening, it's like, oh, the only way I get to like take a break is if, if I'm sick. Mm -hmm. And I feel like then we, you know, this is probably hard for a lot of people to hear, um, but I think we call it in. Mm -hmm. And the body calls it in to warn you, to tell you that something's going on. And when we're not paying attention to these changes, like we're not paying attention to like, of so much brain fog, or I can't recall somebody's name, or these things are happening in our brain, 
we're not really paying attention to them because they're not enough to stop us in our tracks. So it isn't until something stops us in our tracks that we create change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Like we're, we're only giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves when there's a problem. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, take it back to that, that male brain, that the archetype that's sort of running so much of healthcare is that if it's not broken, mm -hmm. don't even pay attention to it. Just mm -hmm. leave it alone. Wait yeah. for like the wheels to completely come off. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you got brain fog. Everybody has brain fog. You're a little achy and sore as you age. Everybody does. It's just because you're getting older. <laughs> like, we keep playing that same formula like, as if it's some sort of solution, but it's just bypassing like this inherent, you know, self-love experience that we can give to ourselves. And it's not like woo or anything like that. It's just like self-love is literally like eating good food, getting outside, moving your body, like really connecting with your partner. Like that's really practical to, you know, things to do. And, you know, why not get massages before you experience pain, mm -hmm. right? Or the IV drip. Why not build your nutrition up internally as deeply as you can before something actually mm -hmm. shows up? You know, I think, you know, going back to kind of what you said before, just around, um, you know, that caretaker, do you, do you want to play the role of caretaker or do you want to embody self-responsibility so that, you know, when people get to that stage of life, they're doing so many good things for themselves that it's just little micro adjustments that they may, may need to tweak, you know, and so that they're not burdening anybody. They're just fully owning, um, you know, their health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a paradigm shift, mm -hmm. right? And the way we can shift that is through understanding. So if we can understand that we're all unique, we can understand the way our brains are actually meant to function and what happens naturally as we age and what are things that we can do to help support the brain, to help support the body, then, then we can start really changing all of this instead of having to make dementia villages, instead of having to look for that new drug or new this, like we can kind of reverse engineer, like where did this all start? So how can we support us over here? How can we start supporting the next generation so that they're not suffering with this? Because we all, you know, when I think about my kids, like I want them to have health, healthy, full lives. Mm -hmm. And I want whatever partner they choose for, for them to have the same. I don't want them to step into this trajectory knowing that the world that we live in is so toxic, knowing that the food has changed, knowing that there's different stressors. It's, it's kind of scary to see what's happening to the human form and the human body and human connections. So I think we do need to start having these conversations so we can start changing all of that. Mm -hmm. So we started this conversation around like the differences between male and female brains only mm -hmm. to come sort of full circle around like unity and, and sort of a, a paradigm shift and to not wait for dis-ease to show up before we take action with our health. But how do we tie that back to like maybe creating a new paradigm for men and women or, or is it just appreciating that, that men and women do, you know, are, are physically different in how they're wired and, and maybe a solution to come together on that? Or mm -hmm. like, how do we tie that back to the early conversation? Yeah, I think it's just that, it's just understanding that we're wired a bit different. Um, it doesn't mean one is better than the other. Although you kind of are keeping score. <laughs> well, 11% more neurons, okay. Um, and the X chromosome actually carries over a thousand genes. Wow. So we've got a thousand more genes than you and guys too. you technically carry more mitochondria in your bodies as we well. We do, especially in the in ovaries. ovaries yeah. yeah, so there's so many things to talk about on that right. side. However, with the brain, it's like, you know, these are things that as um, individuals, as couples, as families, we can support each other on. So if we know there's a susceptibility in the female in the home, we can help support her and the things that she needs to do to keep that brain healthy. If we know like the number one thing that's going to support a healthy brain is sleep, we can create healthy habits around sleep for the entire family so that it serves like all of us. Mm -hmm. um, so there's so many things that we can do to better understand each other so then we can still continue to dream and not have fear around, well, what does 60 look like? What does 70 look like? Who's going to be the caretaker? Who's going to be healthier? And what insurance should I get? Like all these things. But instead we can dream like adventures mm -hmm. instead of having to look at all of the, the what ifs and what could happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because like when it comes to... Um you know, a lot of planning for the future, it's usually around like finances, which is really important, but we don't really plan for the future with our health span mm -hmm. and even have a conversation like who's going to be the caretaker, who's going to get sick first, 
you know, <clears throat> it's kind of like the, um, what's his name? Uh, talks about fear setting. Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. It's kind of like, what if we built a, a sort of a structure around understanding, like what's the worst case scenario mm -hmm. and, you know, plan for the worst, expect the best. Also, you know, very much a stoic philosophy too, but you know, if we started to really look at our life, you know, and maybe people listening could take track of their inventory, like where am I not really showing up as my best? Like, do I need to start fixing the diet? Great, let's start working on that. Um, but if we came with a mindset of like, okay, if I keep up with this lifestyle behavior the way I am, with the symptom set that I have, what does that look like five, 10, 15 years from now? And then, you know, instead of going like, well, this is just my life, this is my predisposition, that, that's where I'm gonna be. Like, are you willing, <laughs> it could be relationship counseling, are you willing to be there with me in 10 to 15 years mm -hmm. because I'm not taking care of myself now? Mm -hmm. Like. Do we, and I think if we thought in those terms of like, I'm going to be putting a huge amount of burden on you in 15 years from now, <laughs> right? And how, the other person in reception of that would be like, well, don't no, get your shit together now. Mm -hmm. Like start working on it now. Like, well, I don't want to be like, I'll be there, but I don't want to play that role with you. I want to, I want to live my life with you and, and be in the moment and, and feel fulfilled and all that. I don't want to be a caretaker. No one really wants to be a caretaker. People just move into that role. Mm -hmm. So like this could be part of like a great conversation to have, you know, with your partner mm -hmm. around what do we what do we know is not working right now, either in the relationship or our own health and whatnot. And if we don't fix this now, if we don't treat it now, what is the trajectory of that? You know, what's the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, like anything happened, lightning could strike, we could, you know, in any moment, something bad could go on. Like we got this really crappy phone call last night. It just kind of came out of nowhere. We weren't expecting it, but are we prepared for the worst? You know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think these are absolutely conversations to be had so that it can create awareness around like our today is going to impact our tomorrow, just like the decades before our feeding what's going on today. So the more we understand that, we start to realize we do have control. And then there are things we can't control. Yeah. Like you said, lightning could strike, car accidents. Like there's so many things that could happen. So we're not trying to also diminish like people that are maybe in that situation right now where they're a caretaker and things have happened. And I think what's important is to understand what we can prevent and how we can support each other. And if you are in that role of caretaker, even in that, how can you support yourself so that you can be there for the people that we love? Because we love our family, we love our partners, we want to be there. Yes, we don't want to take on that caretaker role in essence to totally deplete ourselves, but we will always be there for them. Mm -hmm. But we want to be able to do that from a place of fullness rather than a place of depletion. That's where the resentment shows up. That's mm -hmm. where, That's where that person then starts to get sick. So... We do have control over that. We just have to choose it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important. So, yeah, any final thoughts on, on um, just around the, the, the man and woman? So being that we have different ways of looking at things, there's, there's a time and a place for problem solving. And maybe like, here's a problem, let's fix it. And that could be like, we can invoke the male brain when, when it comes to like, this isn't working. And then it can, we can invoke the female brain. Well, well, let's deal with it now as opposed to like procrastinating about it, you know, not just uh, if it's not broken, don't fix it mm -hmm. kind of mentality. But what are like, how can you see that the, the gifts of, of the male brain in, in say problem solution versus the, the female brain of may, may looking at all the possibilities and how do we bring those two superpowers as you called them together? Well, like, so male brains, because they work on like one hemisphere and then the other hemisphere, it's very direct. So if you want like direct action, that's the superpower there. And with the female brain, if you want to look at all the connectivity of everything, that's where the superpower is. So when, as a female, if I'm having a problem, I'm going to come to you when I want a direct solution of like, hey, the shower caulking needs to be changed three years ago. Mm -hmm. Let's change that now. It's very direct instructions. Right. Instead of the verbal processing of like, well, if you don't change it, then there's mold that can show up. And if there's mold, then I'm going to get sick. Then the kids are going to sick. Now that, that could create asthma, that could do this and that. I'm not going to come to you with that. I'm going to say, hey, yeah. the caulking on the shower needs to change. Right. Yes. 
So I think direct with the male brain and with the female brain, the superpower really is all that connectivity, but then we need to find a way to stay present right. so that we don't get um, stuck in a loop with all of that processing that's happening in the brain. And we also learn that we are more susceptible to changes in the brain because of menopause. Not that menopause is causing Alzheimer's or menopause is causing um, these other challenges, like Alzheimer's, they're just Strong, yeah, like <laughs> it's cerebral vascular disease or yes, exactly, disease. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It just you know, it just <clears throat> happened right now. My memory center is shrinking, <laughs> but when we know we're more susceptible, how can we support our estrogen through yeah. that time of perimenopause or even before, so that that decline isn't so sharp? Right. So going back to the caulking example, mm-hmm. <clears throat> around the maybe there's also an opportunity for that. Um, that uh, female aspect of like, I've recognized all the different things, like you said, the mold, the, the, the health of the kids, like maybe it's plucking that information and putting it on to that actual action that needs to happen in order to increase the level of priority of that thing. Right. Right. So maybe that's a, that's a hack to like, mm-hmm. oh, did you know, mm. did you know this? What if your husband already knows those things? <laughs> That's a really good question. Yes. Maybe you should save that for a future episode. Right, yeah. Yeah. But this is something I learned uh, for, for men and how to receive that, um, you know, maybe ask or, or uh, you know, anything that comes up for your, for your partner, your woman. And that is, is this something that you want me to fix? Or is this uh, just something you want me to be present with you and listen? Hmm. I have yet to try that on you. Yeah. But, you know, w- would you appreciate that if that yes, was... Yes, when there's a discussion. Right. So if I say the bathroom <laughs> needs fixing, that is already yeah. really Implied. Implied yeah. that yeah. there's a fix. That, yeah. that, that is the ask. And then my male brain should just, like, get so excited. Get into action, like, yes. Like, I've got something... That's to right. Do. Yeah. This I'm going to be victorious after I finish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to feed your brain. Yeah. And that's going to feed my brain and help support my brain health because I can take that off of my list. Yeah. And it won't create more inflammation. For sure. So yeah. you, you put it in that kind of way, it, it definitely increases the yeah. priority task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Great example. Thank you. You're welcome. So we talked about lots of different things today. Yes. Um, a lot, you know, and, and it stirred up so much for me in this episode, um, and hopefully it did for, for those listening. And um, any last thoughts? No, just take care of your brains, mm-hmm. understand them, know them, know your partners so that you guys can connect on that and have the hard conversations. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.